gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord was so vast the crossing I could never bore where I was to his demand it seemed so far I cried dear Lord I can come to where you are. He came to me. He came to me when I could not come to where he was. He came to me. That's why he to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to his side, where today in his sweet love I see how this thing works today. Got me a new mic on today. I'm not supposed to draw attention to it. All right? So if it works good, well, it was my idea. If it works bad, well, <clears throat> all right, we'll see how it goes, all right? I usually use one of those ones you pin on, but I listened to the cast and crew through the last couple days, and I thought, man, everywhere they turn their head, it sounds even. It sounds good. So I thought, well, we'll give it a shot and see how it works. So far, so good. So far, so good. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. We are in the midst, uh, beginning, actually today, we begin our search and rescue campaign in the month of April. 
Again, it's our spring campaign, but we're calling it Search and Rescue as One for One. And of course, our goal is to go out and rescue those that have been enslaved by sin, right? Been taken hostage by the enemy of humanity, Satan. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Bible says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that's speaking, and he makes a very clear, a very precise statement. He says simply, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That sounds a little bit like search and rescue to me. The spring of 1940 found Hitler's panzer divisions mopping up French troops and preparing for a siege of Great Britain. The Dutch had already surrendered. The Belgians also. The British army floundered on the coast of France in the channel port of Dunkirk. Nearby, nearly, should, I say, should I say nearly a quarter of a million young British soldiers on the coast of France were, were floundering in the... Man, am I messing this up. The British army floundered on the coast of France in the channel port of Dunkirk. Nearly a quarter million young British soldiers and over 100,000 Allied troops face capture or death. The Fuhrer's troops, only a few miles away in the hills of France, closed in on an easy kill. The Royal Navy had only enough ships to save about 17,000 men. And so the House of Commons was told to brace itself for hard and heavy tidings. It didn't look good. It was going to be a bloodbath. With over 350,000 men's lives weighing in the balance, what happened? Well, we'll get back to that later. The Bible speaks of an enemy far greater than that of the Third Reich, far greater than Hitler's armies. Satan stands in opposition to all mankind today. He may appear to be a friend to some in this world, but he is nothing but a liar and he is nothing but the father of it. His real intention, his real goal and desire is to destroy all, to ruin any hope for mankind. Satan has no redeeming qualities, by the way, none at all. He's walking death. He's walking destruction. That's all he is. He sought to entangle and enslave from the very beginning. He's taken captive. Many are now in need of rescue. And in our passage today, we're introduced to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who came to this earth in order to rescue lost mankind. And he's leading the greatest manhunt in history. Its size and its scale is unprecedented. No search and rescue operation has ever compared to it. I want to take just a few minutes and I want to address this particular issue of search and rescue. We're going to note just a couple of things today. We're going to note that it began in a garden, that it was planned before the world began, and that it continues to this day. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll go ahead with our service. Father, we ask, Lord, you'd bless us today. 
May you take just these next few moments and may our hearts be inspired and encouraged for you. Father, there are so many in need of rescue today. And I'm so grateful that you, the Lord Jesus Christ, had come in order to rescue and save lost humanity. Lord, we being part of that. We're asking now that you again would walk these aisles and do your work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, today in our midst there may be those that are without Christ. Maybe someone has yet to receive and accept the hope of Jesus in their life. And I pray that before they leave today, they would. And Lord, for the believer, may we recognize and understand our need to be part of the search team. Lord, we need you now. We ask for your leadership and we thank you for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It began in a garden. Take your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 1. Genesis chapter 3. Search and rescue. I like our little tagline, as one for one. We're going out together. On Saturdays, we're going to be Going out together in a search and rescue operation, getting on the troop carriers, as I call it, and uh, the buses and headed out to an area and flooding that area with the gospel of Jesus Christ in hope of delivering and protecting and rescuing lost men and women, boys and girls for Christ. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Oh, by the way, you know what? Sometimes we really are really tough on those that take away from the Bible, right? But may I say it's equally dangerous to add to it. In this particular case, Eve is adding to the Word of God. We need to be so careful not to do that because we may give the wrong impression not only to others but to ourselves as well. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall surely die. Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Adam and Eve, of course, found themselves in a most wonderful place to live, a wonderful place to raise a family, to spend a lifetime. They were free to enjoy every tree of the garden, well, with the exception of one. Now, Satan would, of course, manipulate this particular couple. He's good at manipulating. He would incite lust and desire into their hearts, and, and with that lust and desire placed within them, he would leave them wanting what they could not have. We see God doing that on a regular basis, putting in our hearts uh, the God of this world, doing that on a regular basis, putting something in our heart that causes us to want something that we can't have. So therefore, contentment was lost. And you know what replaced contentment in the lives of this first couple? Contempt. Contentment that once reigned in their heart was replaced with contempt. Contempt for God and contempt for his rules and contempt for his leadership in their life. Now instead of being grateful to God who had given them all things, they were envious for what 
he was withholding. Although they could eat of every tree in the garden, they were only told one was, was special, one was unique, one was God's alone. Instead of being grateful for everything that God had given them, they wanted the thing they could not have. Boy, it sounds just like us today, doesn't it? Of course, it wouldn't be long before they caved to their desires and they willfully disobeyed God and ate of the fruit that they were commanded not to eat of. And now man was a sinner. And now mankind was in need of rescue. Look at verse 7, please. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. It's interesting, upon sinning, Adam and Eve now, for the very first time, are very keenly aware that they're naked and in need of covering. They had no no idea that that was a problem before. They had no reason to believe it was at all. Guilt and shame now consumed their thoughts. You know, when a person knows they're wrong, they'll feel guilt and shame. You know, we live in a world today where we we say things like, well, they don't have a conscience, and they don't even believe that what they do is wrong. And, you know, there's some truth to that. But can I tell you, if you have a conscience, and may I say we all do, but the fact is, is what's been placed in our conscience? What have we been told is right and wrong? If you have a culture that says that everything is right, nobody will ever feel shame or guilt. Because what they're doing is perfectly fine. We are raising a generation of young people who believe it's right to do wrong. And it's wrong to do right. We've already raised that generation, and that generation is teaching the next generation. It's sad, isn't it? But we see this first couple. And when they had rejected God's command, when they had chosen to rebel against the God of all eternity, all of a sudden they found themselves in need of hiding. So we learned that mankind in sin will seek to hide themselves from God and at times even run from him. Therefore, God has to go on a search and rescue mission in order to seek and to save that which is lost. See, it began in a garden. It all began in, it, with the very first couple, and it continues to this day. And God has been in the saving business since. It began in a garden, but number two, it was planned before the world began. It was planned before the world began. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, would you? Ephesians chapter 1, let's begin in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we're going to read through verse 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we begin reading by, 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 again, hearing the word blessed or happy and Uh, you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable in the beloved. Now listen, I want to tell you that that's a mouthful, right? Can I say in God's foreknowledge, he could see the fall of man and his dire need of redemption and restoration? God saw that ahead of time in his foreknowledge. So he established a way. Now look at verse 4 again very clearly because it's important to understand this because many people have misunderstood this and it leads to tremendous doctrinal problems. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What we find in the passage is that the Apostle Paul is speaking to saved men, right? We understand that. Saved men and women who have already been chosen. There's no doubt. We understand this. He's speaking to the church. Therefore, they've already been chosen. Now, the church is comprised of born-again believers, those that have already been saved. The church is not comprised of lost people. The church is a place for saved people and where saved people go out and bring the lost in to be saved or to actually get saved before they even come. It's really a place for believers to get together and be encouraged in the things of Christ, to be exhorted in the things of the Lord. The primary purpose of the church is not just to have services to win the lost. It's to equip the saved to win the lost. And give them the kind of fellowship and foundation they need to continue in the faith. But notice again, this group of people, yes, are indeed believers. They've already been chosen. This fact is not disputed. However, how they are chosen is. That's the real issue here in Ephesians. Some have suggested that before the foundation of the world, God chose the elect. Hold on now. He what they mean by that is he personally decided to choose certain human beings over other human beings. That's what they get from Ephesians chapter 1. That he chose us. So that means he chose me. He chose me. This is wonderful. I'm so excited he chose me. Uh, yes and no. Because that's not really what the passage implies here, by the way. Now, what we're to understand from this passage in Ephesians is that those who are elected or chosen by God are chosen, notice the phrase in the passage, verse 4, in him. Who's the him? In Christ then. Him is Christ. Those in Christ are chosen. That's what the passage is teaching. It's, listen, it's, it's not pointing out that the, the who that are being chosen, but the how they are being chosen. You say, I'm still a little bit confused. Oh, good, because I was too. Those chosen in him or in Christ, that's what he's talking about. It's not a person, but a plan that's center stage in this passage. Now again, read it with me if you would, please, very quickly. Verse 4, no, verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice, according as he hath chosen us, how? In him. 
He chose us in him. Listen, that's very, very important. Because see, once again, it's not a person, but a plan that's the center stage here. The plan is that those in Christ are chosen by God. You must be in Christ then. And being in Christ, you are chosen. So God says, okay, before the foundation of the world, I came up with a plan. And how I'm going to choose those that will be part of that is by those who are in Christ. If they're in Christ, they're chosen by me. Wait a second. You know what this leads to? Calvinism. If somebody doesn't understand that we're chosen in Christ, then we believe that we are personally chosen by God himself. Therefore, that means I've been chosen over or above someone else. That means that you may be chosen or you may not be chosen. It's up to God whether he chooses you or he doesn't choose you. Can I tell you that is not scriptural? Because God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means that either God is lying to us in the passage or he's not. And I can tell you this much. God is not a liar, my friend. God says what he means and means what he says. And I tell you today that he wants everyone to be saved and born again and part of the family of God today. Therefore, the passage is not teaching that you and I as individuals are chosen by God as an individual. We're chosen in Christ. When you make your decision for Christ, you are then chosen. You are part of that because in his foreknowledge, he knew you would choose him. When we are literally placed into the body, we are literally placed in the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are all baptized into one body. Whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, you want to be chosen? Then get into Christ. You say, what do you mean? Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You can't be outside of Christ and be alive. You have to be in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You're not a new creature until you're in Christ. Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, but ye are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 21. Salute every saint. In Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. They're in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, 14. For ye, brethren, become followers of the churches of God, which... Uh, which in Judea are in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. 1 Peter 5, 14, Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace, be careful teenagers, peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, are you in Christ Are you in him today? If you're not in Christ, then my friend, you are not chosen today. Because that's God's plan. He says that we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world. If you're in Christ, you are part of the chosen. 
Because in God's foreknowledge, he saw whether you would choose and receive Christ or not, whether you would be in him. He said, listen, I see this body before me, before the world ever, ever, was, ever was even brought to pass. I see it into the future, and that body I choose. Everyone in him is chosen. Are you in Christ? See, it all began in a garden. It was planned before the world began. And finally, it continues to this day. It continues to this day. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We've read that already. It's our text today. And since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord has been on a search and rescue mission. Christ is, again, leading the greatest manhunt in history. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, just, it's unprecedented what he's doing. No search and rescue operation has ever compared. It's been going on for thousands of years now. Today, as search and rescue efforts continue, amidst the flood of sin and death, the Lord... Jesus Christ casts out a lifeline to those sinking in the depths of sin. Boy, I still, in my, my mind's eye, I, I, I still, I see this uh, picture of a, uh, they, they call these, uh, what, I think, round buoys or something, I don't know what they call them. But it, it, look at it, it's not a life preserver, I looked that up, it's not, that's the thing you wear. I'm just correcting because I had to be corrected myself and I don't want anyone else to take credit for something I couldn't. A ring buoy, that's what they call this. And you know, you see these things, and they usually have a rope tied to them. And then you see somebody out in the water floating around, and they're, you're concerned they're going to sink. You're concerned they're going to lose their life. And what do you do? You throw it out into the water. And it lands in the water, and it floats. And what do they do? They grab hold of that, and it spares them. They hold on, and as long as they hold on, they don't sink to the bottom. As long as they hold on, their life is safe. And you take the time then to go right on by, pick them up out of the water, and you rescue them. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ is doing today. And can I tell you today that if there is one thing that represents this to me, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to know that Jesus Christ today has been on a search and rescue mission for years and years and years. And today as he faces this earth in which we live and the man and mankind in general, he's saying, listen, there are those that are sinking in sin. They are bound in sin. They're going to die without the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've thrown them out a rescue there it is. Grab hold. Grab hold with all your worth. Make sure that you grasp hold of the gospel and that you hold on to me because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He's thrown it out there for you. He's thrown it out there for me. And he's saying today, I'm on a search and rescue mission, but you're going to have to trust the gospel. You've got to receive me today. And that's what the world needs today. The gospel saves. The gospel saves. And you know, interestingly enough, he has activated his body, the church, to help in this search and rescue endeavor. He's activated us. See, we are in Christ today. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, and you and I are in him today. 
What's wrong when we don't have his desires? What's wrong when we don't have his love and his, his concern for lost people? Why is that? Why is it that he's still about searching and rescuing those that are in the quagmire of sin, but we could care less sometimes? Why? He says in Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We don't pick and choose who gets the gospel. We don't decide who's worthy of it. Not at all. We give it to every creature. If creatures are allowed to have it, then that means every human being certainly can. Every time we'd get together and we'd have maybe a little service out there in our bus areas and stuff, and we would, in the summer there during the COVID, we'd gather all the kids together and have a service. We'd stand out there and we'd proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, every bird with an earshot could hear it. Every dog that was barking, stop barking. Every kitty that was meowing said, man, every creature got the gospel. Every creature got the gospel, including those children, including any parent that gathered, because every creature's to hear the truth of the gospel. It's the only thing that'll save them. Nothing else will. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, our theme verse here for this year. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Man, the Lord Jesus Christ may have paid sin's penalty 2,000 years ago, but his offer of rescue and safety is renewed every day. Every day. He cries out to you and he cries out to me as he has throughout all history. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. I don't know if you've trusted and received the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, but if you don't, you're going to sink in sin. You're going to ultimately die and be separated forever from the Lord Jesus Christ in a place called the lake of fire. But today, he offers the gospel. The gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, that he's not a mere man. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and that he rose from the dead, proving that he is deity, proving his identity. He's more than me, and he's more than you, and he's bigger than this building. Building. He is God himself. And he offers you the gospel of Jesus Christ, his gospel. And when you receive his gospel, you are placed in him. Sorry, I'm missing a page of notes. Oh, is that it? That's it. I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea, and the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. When away at my side, there I dimly descried a stately old vessel, and loudly I cried, Ship ahoy, ship ahoy, and loudly I cried, Ship. 
ship ahoy. Twas the old ship of Zion, the sailing along. All aboard her seemed joyous. I heard their sweet song. And the captain's kind ear, ever ready to hear, caught my wail of distress as I cried out in fear. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy. As I cried out in fear, ship ahoy. The good captain commanded a boat to be lowered, and with tender compassion he took me on board. I am happy today, all my sin washed away in the blood of my Savior, and now I can say, Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, from my soul I can say, Bless the Lord. Oh, soul sinking down neath sin's merciless wave, the strong arm of our captain is mighty to save. Then trust him today, no longer delay, board the old ship of Zion and shout on your way. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout and sing on your way, Jesus saves. Let me tell you today, Jesus Christ has thrown out the lifeline to you. You don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven today, but can I tell you, you can know. You don't have to wonder, you don't have to guess. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know that you have it, but you got to get in him. When you receive and accept his gospel, you're placed in him. He said the Dutch had already surrendered, as had the Belgians. The British army floundered on the coast of France and the in the channel port of Dunkirk, nearly a quarter million young British soldiers and over 100,000 Allied troops faced capture or death. Again, Hitler's troops, only a few miles away in the hills of France, they closed in for an easy kill. The Royal Navy had enough ships to save eh, about 17,000 men. And of course, the House of Commons was told to brace itself for hard and heavy tidings. Then, while a despairing world watched with fading hope, <laughs> a bizarre fleet of ships appeared on the horizon of the English Channel. Trawlers and tugs, fishing boats, lifeboats, sailboats, pleasure craft, an island ferry named Gracie Fields, and even the America's Cup Challenger Endeavor, all manned by civilian sailors, sped to the rescue. The ragtag armada eventually rescued 338,682 men and returned them home to the shores of England as pilots of the Royal Air Force jockeyed with the German Luftwaffe in the skies above the channel. It was one of the most remarkable naval operations in history. It was carried out by just normal people like you and me. The church, likewise, is God's ragtag armada. <laughs> the church is a 
a mix of flawed but forgiven individuals on a rescue operation commissioned by God himself. And this morning, there is only one escape from the condemnation of sin. There's only one way in which to avoid the righteous wrath of a holy God, and that is to reach out to the gospel and get a hold of the life giving force, the gospel in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the lifeboat. We need to get a hold of his gospel and get placed in him. Hey, listen, church, we are commissioned to join our master in his search and rescue mission. I wonder, will you extend the gospel to those in need? We're going to be out on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays over the next three weeks. Joining our master as he seeks to save the lost. Will you search and rescue for those that are bound by Satan and sinking in the depths of sin today? Will you cast out the gospel to a friend, a neighbor, a loved one, relative? This morning, we are a blessed people. We have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ And in this room, probably many have already accepted and received him. You are in Christ today. You've been rescued by the master. What about those in the room that haven't been? What about those who have been living their lives and going about their business and may not even have realized and recognized this need of Christ in their life? Oh, they believe in the Lord. They may believe in God. They may have even have gone to church through the years and possibly have family and friends who know much about the Master. But my friend, let me tell you, until you personally take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll never be in Him. And I want to encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ today Believe in the fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day. Trust that what he did on Calvary by shedding his personal and precious blood for you is sufficient payment for your sin and the only payment accepted by God who is holy and righteous. Lord Jesus, I can't get there without you. I know I deserve hell but I need you in my life. I want you to forgive me, save me, and come into my life. Oh, Lord, please. You know, he'll hear you if you call on him and ask. Will you take hold of the gospel and be placed in Christ today and escape the penalty of sin, the condemnation of sin, and begin a new journey, a journey afresh with the master of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you do it? Will you simply take hold of the gospel? It's that simple. Because Jesus Christ said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. I guarantee you, he's still looking for a sinner today that he can save. Will you be that sinner today? Thank God I was that sinner one day. And there are many others amidst that say, thank God I recognized and understood myself to be a sinner and that he alone was the way, the truth, and the life. Will you take hold of the gospel today? Will you let somebody show you from the Bible how you can settle your soul salvation, how you can know for sure from God's promises how to be placed into Christ, how to have your sin forgiven, how to become part of the family of God?
Will you let them do that for you today? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. We thank you for the fact that, Lord, we are just sinners in need of a Savior and that you came along and in the midst of your search and rescue, you found us. Just like the song went earlier today when it said, he came to me. Lord, you came to us, just like you came to Adam and Eve, just like you searched for them, just like you found them, just like you provided a sacrifice for them. You are searching for the man, the woman, the boy or girl who has yet to accept and receive your gospel. As a child of God, what would you do? What will you do? Will you take that gospel to others? Will you help the Lord in his mission? Make a commitment to be more active in passing out tracts. Make a commitment to be more active in, in telling others of Christ and sharing the truth and letting people know we're his children. But today, maybe you don't know for sure heaven's your home. Let's settle that one first. Get that nailed down. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.